this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast i'm anand krishnan your host for today in this episode we are looking back on 2020 in india's foreign policy The coronavirus pandemic hasn't only been a public health story it is changing the world in so many ways at the same time a political story in every country where it has posed tests of leaders few of whom have emerged with their reputations intact and a foreign policy story as well heightening tensions among some countries look no further than the US China relationship while emerging as an opportunity for others who are offering medical assistance and now pledging support in the distribution of vaccines an issue that will be a top priority for most countries in 2021 for india covid-19 along with the crisis with china along the line of actual control and india's immediate neighborhood with three diplomatic challenges in 2020 how did india fare in handling these three issues and what lies in store in 2021 joining me today are swasni haider the hindu's diplomatic affairs editor and national editor Dinakar Perry who is the Hindu's defense correspondent and has been tracking the China border story all year and Meera Srinivasan who is the Hindu's correspondent in Colombo from where she covers Sri Lanka and the Maldives Thank you all for joining me today and a very happy new year to you all If I can begin uh with the COVID-19 story which of course has been the biggest story for all of us uh, this year Uh Suhasini you wrote uh, on December 27th uh how India has been handling COVID-19 and how it has impacted uh India's neighborhood diplomacy and we have linked to your piece below this podcast. If I can just begin by asking you how is India's own domestic response which is something we are still struggling with how has that impacted India's ability to emerge uh, as a country that's going to support other countries in their own responses especially in the neighborhood? to be fair you know uh, anant the, the corona virus uh, pandemic has hit some of the biggest economies in the world and the most developed countries in the world in europe uh, have seen uh, the pandemic spread you've seen the united states emerge uh, you know really not unscathed it's the highest number of cases it's had some of the worst kind of cases of of healthcare mismanagement along the way uh, in contrast i would say south asia has not like the global south has not been hit as uh, rapidly if you like as dramatically if you like as some other parts of the world remember south asia accounts for about uh, 23% of the world's population uh, but it only accounted for about 18% of the global cases uh, about 11% of uh, global deaths and uh, remember a large part of those were in india in fact india has not done Uh, has had many many more cases than if you even look at places like afghanistan pakistan uh, sri lanka bangladesh uh, and the other south asian countries uh, given that that india has been the worst affected country in south asia uh, we've seen waves of uh, cases going up and down uh, clearly the the pandemic itself and this is probably true of other parts of the world but i think for uh, south asia and india particularly Uh, you are going to see three parts to the impact of the pandemic one part is the actual health crisis and i think in that sense 
hospitals have stepped up. India has been, of course, at the forefront of the medication, the pharmacies uh, uh, putting out medicines uh, and protocols uh, for even other parts of the world. So one part is managing the health crises. The second really, and I think this is the lasting impact, is the overall GDP slowdown, where India has actually seen the greatest impact on its GDP out of all the countries. And in South Asia, an estimated uh, 23% fall in revenue all around. Uh, We're going to see jobs go away, particularly expatriate jobs, where all South Asian countries will lose. The tourism sector that uh, that accounts for so much in Bhutan, in in, uh, Sri Lanka, in the Maldives, that's going to you know, be very badly affected. So the second part, and I think the most important part, is the impact. And the third is, of course, how the rollout of the COVID vaccine happens, because it's not just about making sure people in South Asia, this, this massive population, a quarter of the world, uh, are given the vaccine, but also ensure that enough vaccines now go around the world so that there's a sense of confidence uh, for tourists, for business travelers, um, to start to visit the region once again, and for the for the region, excuse me, the region itself to open up once again. Right now, we're all in various forms of travel lockdowns. Uh, so South Asia is a, is, is an, a region that should be looked at much more closely, and India is going to have to be the fulcrum, in, if you like, of that recovery. Mira, Sri Lanka has done fairly well uh, by most accounts in how it's handled COVID-19, though I think there's still clusters that come up from time to time. How have people in Sri Lanka and the government in Sri Lanka, how have they looked at India's own response and how are they looking at uh, India in terms of uh, going forward, whether it's in uh, continued medical assistance or even in terms of vaccines? Is India a country that they're looking to? Uh, Can you just give us your sense uh, from from being through this entire uh, lockdown and pandemic in, in Sri Lanka, share your experience with us? Sure, Anath. I think uh, you're right. Sri Lanka, at least in the first wave from March onwards, did a Kerala in the region in the sense that it contained the pandemic so well and uh, drew international praise, right? The WHO and different governments and heads of government congratulated Sri Lanka for how well they handled it. And that's partly because of their fabulous public health system and uh, some timely assistance from the military, which some people aren't particularly comfortable with. Nevertheless, the pandemic was contained well. The second wave, however, has been a bit more hard for the country. And uh, we are at over 42,000 cases now and uh, nearly 200 deaths, which is a lot uh, compared to the first wave, right? So that's where Sri Lanka is. And in terms of how Sri Lanka sees India, there was a lot of interest right from the beginning. Uh, in terms of tracking the number of cases. So India is also seen as a hotspot. And uh, how India does is very relevant to Sri Lanka because, as you know, uh, India is one of the top tourist source markets for Sri Lanka. So whenever they sort of open it up, they're just trying it out now. It's going to be important that Indian tourists come back. But they are still uh, uncomfortable with the level of, uh, you know, uh, the spread and the number of cases in India. And... uh, There has been some uh, help from India in terms of essential drugs. But uh, interestingly, on the conversation about the vaccine, India doesn't figure as much. So just a couple of days ago, a presidential advisor told the media that uh, they are hoping to get vaccine assistance from Russia, China and the UK. And more recently, uh, the WHO has said that Sri Lanka should expect some vaccines to get into the country by the end of March 2021. So uh, 
interestingly in the conversation about vaccines india hasn't figured as much so it remains to be seen how um, india can participate in that area That's very interesting. Uh, Swasni, uh, before we come to what China has been doing in the region, uh, especially in Sri Lanka and Nepal as well, uh, Swasni, what's your sense of how India is planning to offer uh, its uh, capabilities when it comes to being one of the world's biggest producers of vaccines? Obviously, we have a huge domestic demand that we need to fill, but are conversations going on uh, with other countries in the neighborhood from what India plans to do in 2021? Uh, absolutely in fact you know india has uh, got as you said this first priority is to deal with um, the the situation in india ensure that vaccines are rolled out here now remember there are two large lines that india is looking at for itself one is of course the indigenous vaccines what's i think called uh, the covaxin uh, from bharat biotech and uh, the uh, and the other indigenous vaccines and then there is the astrazeneca which a lot of people have pinned their hopes on neither of them of course have yet got uh, approvals whereas we're already seeing uh, other vaccines like pfizer's and moderna being rolled out in the western world um even so with its limited resources india realizes that in terms of eventual vaccine production in the next year uh, this is going to be a hub because india has the capacity to develop uh, enough vaccines uh, for uh, not only for the country for the region and then for export abroad uh, this was the the uh, thought behind taking a whole group of ambassadors from delhi to hyderabad to look at india's vaccine facilities because uh, there is a there is an understanding that the south asian region countries in africa countries in the global south are going to look to india uh, for those vaccines uh, at uh, what india hopes will it will be allowed to provide at a lower cost uh, that's still an ongoing discussion at the wto uh, but broadly yes uh, remember foreign secretary harshringla has been visiting the region he's been in myanmar he's been in bangladesh uh, we know the national security advisor was in sri lanka uh, there have been conversations at bilateral levels with every country in the region except for pakistan A- and i am told by any officials that each of those have had discussions on whether uh, on on providing uh, the vaccine whenever india is able to provide it um now you have to compare that with what's out there and as mira pointed out there are vaccines in the west that have already rolled out there is the sinovac the chinese vaccine uh, that we've already seen countries like uae where the top echelons of its leadership have taken it publicly yeah. um and we know that china has as pro- promised um uh, you know lines of sinovac to um south asian countries uh, the vice minister held not one but two separate meetings on covid involving multi um, uh, parts of south asia so one with afghanistan nepal uh, pakistan one with uh, nepal bangladesh sri lanka and pakistan right as well uh, so india is up against that kind of competition in the region too right and china of course has been a story that uh, we, which has played out in almost every challenge that india has faced whether it's covid whether it's the neighborhood and and of course above all uh, with the boundary crisis in of itself uh, and if i can bring dinakar into our conversation here uh, we've been reporting since early may uh, about what's been happening on the line of actual control uh, it's been by far the biggest crisis uh, with china since the 1960s in mid june we had the clash in gowan valley uh, where for the first time uh, since 1967 we had such a big loss of life with uh, 20 indian soldiers and a still unknown number of chinese soldiers uh losing their lives 
talks have been going on. We've been reporting every few weeks. There's either been a co-commander level meeting or a working mechanism meeting. And it seems that the stories we seem to be writing uh, haven't really progressed in any way. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about where exactly things stand right now as the year ends? Are they talking for the sake of talking? Or is there actually some progress we can look forward to on the boundary, Dinakar? Uh, as we speak, it's peak winters in East Ladakh, so temperatures are now around at minus 30 and will plummet further in many places, at, you know, on the high altitudes. Right. So in this case, there's actually not much movement on the ground. It's just people are sitting where they are. There's not mm. much room for on-the-ground maneuvers at this point. But that said, in the, from the talks point of view, talks have been going on. I mean, as we know, there have been eight rounds of talks. Mm. It, there have been eight rounds of talks. Uh, and the ninth one was supposed to have been, you know, it was on the verge of happening, but then got delayed. Right. I mean, we, we were told, you know, it's just imminent in the week, we have, as we all followed about a month back. But then it just disappeared. And now there is no sign of when it will happen next. The next round of WMCC happened since then. But then, uh, you know, uh, the military talks again, we were told in a week. But again, as of now, there's no clarity on when the next round of military talks will happen. But the local engagement is happening. That's more... To just keep the things going, just to keep miscommunications out of the picture. The local commander's talking, but it's the right. big command. No, the, essentially the task of ironing out the designation process has now been effectively given to the senior military commander. So th that's where it seems that's the it things are going. But mm -hmm. that said, they have been talking endlessly. They have been, uh, you know, officials have said there is some kind of arrangement, you know, some kind of understanding reached between the two sides to take forward. The earlier process of disengagement, which we remember, you know, in July and in June and July, in fact, that's when the Galwan happened. Since then, things have stopped. There right. was some partial disengagement which has happened in Galwan, PP15, PP17, but that has stopped effectively, you know, since the Galwan clash and the violent clash. So I think if I can just to... get you in, you uh, did an excellent piece for the Hindu based on your visit to the LOC as well. Uh, and you yeah. described how 2020 really has been. Uh, hot compared to the last two years. So very quickly, uh, what do you think is going to happen on that front? Is, is India going to be having to deal with a two-front situation uh, as uh, 2021 think, looms? So effectively, see, uh, now, see, 2020 in that way is, uh, is a turning point in that sense, inflection point. In the sense, now we have two active fronts. And see, so right. far, LOC has, was the active one. LAC, we were, okay, you know, you're patrolling, you're doing your claims, you're talking, it was fine. You do not really have to invest on the ground in that sense. But from now that has changed forever. Even if this is resolved, say, in the next few months to our satisfaction, even then we will not trust the Chinese anymore. On the ground will be deployed and will remain in full numbers on the ground all seasons around the clock. And as one official you know, put it, he said, now there is no uh, difference in the perception area left. Each side has moved forward and now armies are sitting in front of each other. See, previously there was an area of disagreement where the patrolling and coming back. That's not left anymore. Whether it's Galwa, whether it's Panyongso or on along South Bank, that's no more there. You're sitting in front of each other. There's no room for maneuver or pushing back each other. You're sitting there. And that's going to probably be the new norm on the LAC from now on. So that said, LOC will, I mean, uh, in my visit and since then also we've been following it all year through. The CFA violations have been going on, both on the LAC and in Jammu sector as well. They are, they are the record high. And that said, infiltration has gone down. And that's more so because they have now advanced the uh, tiers. So the infiltration managed to keep it low, but uh, firing will continue. So I think we'll have to deal with that. 
Swasni, of course, it's no coincidence that the crisis that we've seen with China on the LAC uh, has seen India stepping up with the Quad countries as well uh, in 2020. What do you think is going to be in store in 2021 in the Quad front? Uh, is that going to be the trend where India is going to be doing much more with the U.S., uh, with Japan and Australia, and you expect things with China to remain as tense as they are? You know, Anand, uh, the article you referred to, I'd spoken about the trifecta of challenges that India has had originating from China. And one of them has been what we just discussed, China's increasing footprint in the neighborhood. Um, But the second part of that, um, uh, apart from the coronavirus that we know, you know, uh, originated or certainly was first reported in China, um, has been its aggression at the line of actual control. And I think a lot of the Anger in India has been not just about the idea that Chinese troops transgressed when they did, um, but the fact that they did it in the middle of the COVID pandemic. So India's responses are going to be tailored to what uh, China does. Uh, I think three things are going to uh, stand out. One is uh, External Affairs Minister Jai Shankar has always spoken about the importance of managing China while encouraging partners into coalitions that India's um, uh, you know, can work in. And so we're going to see that. We're going to see India having to do much more of the managing China. Remember, so far, despite so many months of a, of a military standoff and no sign that China's backing off, um, India's continued to say they will deal with this bilaterally, they will deal with this diplomatically. So one big thing to watch for is whether foreign policy in 2021 is going to follow um, that uh, path, given that there haven't been uh, any results uh, of the kind that they had hoped for. The second, as you pointed out, is how India is going to encourage more partners into coalitions. This is not just going to be about the Quad. And I think how far the Quad goes will uh, now not depend so much on what India does, but how how much Mr. Biden's administration now pushes forward. Because, of course, Mr. Biden has so far made a lot of noises about going with traditional alliances. And that's South Korea and Japan in the region and not as much, uh, and Australia and not as much India. Um, So I think on the quad, we will be waiting to watch uh, how far uh, uh, the U.S. pushes it. But India is making, uh, you know, a whole foray, a a plethora of uh, relationships just in the last few months on the basis of its future Indo-Pacific policy. Uh, The foreign secretary again visiting France and then Germany and uh, and the U.K. And we expect uh, Boris Johnson in India uh, for the Republic Day, uh, COVID willing, um, uh, where the U.K.'s Indo-Pacific policy will also uh, be discussed. Um, So uh, we are going to see much more of that. And I think the third part of India's foreign policy priorities this year are really going to be how to keep your neighbors closer. Of course, I mean, neighbors minus Pakistan, but the idea that there is no more SARC, there is no more South Asian reality uh, that's at the front uh, right now. Uh, And the idea will be not to keep your friends close, but to keep your neighbors uh, much closer, given the kind of challenges we have seen posed uh, through the Chinese interventions there. That's right. And we are seeing that as we speak in Nepal as well. Uh, And before we get to the current crisis in Nepal, if I can bring you in, Meera, how has that dynamic been playing out uh, in Sri Lanka and the Maldives as well? I think Swasini made a great point that so far the current crisis with China hasn't really seen India or China bring uh, the neighbors in. But at the same time, there is a longer term dynamic playing out uh, where obviously China has been doing more. Swasti mentioned its multilateral activities in the region, ostensibly because of COVID-19. But it does seem to be that perhaps these mechanisms are going to stay for a while. 
and it's interesting that they all involve uh, Nepal. There's one with Sri Lanka and Bangladesh as well. And obviously, India is a country that is out of these conversations that are happening. So what do you see uh, going on in terms of what China plans to do in the neighborhood? And do you expect this dynamic to continue next year as well? So this uh, pandemic year has seen this play out in a very interesting way in Sri Lanka. I'll start with Sri Lanka and then maybe talk about the Maldives a little. Sure. So as far as Sri Lanka is concerned, we saw, you know, a lot of high level interaction. There was a virtual summit between PM Modi and Prime Minister Mahindra Rajapaksa. And then we had the National Security Advisor Ajit Doval here late November. So at some level, it was some sound and light, right, in terms of uh, uh, the highest levels of interaction and the messaging around that, except that in terms of substance, uh, it remains to be seen what these actually achieved, because uh, one thing is to keep the conversation going between the bilateral partners. But when you look at deliverables in Sri Lanka, as the Indian establishment would look at it, the East Container Terminal project at the Colombo port, which India is very eager to uh, develop along with Sri Lanka and Japan, and there was a, an agreement to that effect in 2019. This government is still um, yet to give its word on that because trade unions are resisting and so on. So that one big project remains, um, you know, stuck. And then um, there haven't been too many other big sort of projects or um you know, partnerships going forward, the ones in place are doing well, but there's nothing that you can substantially add to 2020 as, you know, the engagement showing. And uh, the other important thing that happened during Ajit Doval's visit to Colombo was that uh, Sri Lanka, the Maldives and India revived a trilateral maritime cooperation discussion okay. after about six years, which is significant uh, in the sense that covers terrorism, narcotics, uh, regional security. So that seemed like a significant uh, uh, mechanism involving the three countries. And in terms of Maldives itself, we know that uh, Foreign Secretary Shringla was there. And uh, before that, uh, uh, EAM Jai Shankar had a virtual discussion with his counterpart, Minister Shahid. And uh, India has a $500 million um, package going on uh, with a hundred million dollar grant. So I think Maldives can show more in terms of actual substance um, as a consequence of this interaction. But in Sri Lanka's case, I'm not sure there has been any substantial development. Maybe Suhasini can also weigh in on that. No, just to add to, to Mira's point, you know, uh, while we've seen actual movement when it comes to what China said, India has certainly made all the right noises um, and has uh, committed to helping out and with the Maldives uh, certainly extended a new line of uh, credit as well. Um, but we are still waiting towards the end of the year for some kind of uh, announcement that India would uh, put a, a moratorium on uh, debt repayment. Um, we heard the foreign secretary uh, allude to the idea that India was considering this, uh, but these conversations have now gone on since March uh, without uh, us yet seeing any kind of a, a response from India. And so ask me a final word uh, from you looking ahead to 2021, what do you think is going to be the story that you are going to be reporting on the most? A tough question because I don't think in 2019 many of us would have seen the China crisis or COVID uh, stories that would occupy our attention. But I think uh, looking ahead, what do you think is going to be a focus of India's diplomacy? Is it going to be 
this sort of competitive vaccine rollout that we're seeing all over the world is going to be dealing with the new Biden administration, something we didn't speak about since we've been focusing on the neighborhood. What do you think you're going to be covering the most in 2021? You know, Anant, uh, this is the time of year where we all uh, are able to sit and look into a crystal ball. But I think COVID has made itself uh, so clearly heard that uh, much of what we are going to look into in 2021 will depend on how long uh, the coronavirus pandemic is able to increase numbers uh, until uh, hopefully the vaccine rollout, new protocols of treatment actually send it into a recession. Uh, so I think we are going to uh, have to, you know, give that the first priority. Of course, with that will come, as you said, the vaccine diplomacy, the idea of leadership in the world, which will be determined by how much countries are not only able to take care of themselves, take care of their economies, but how much they will help others. And the world leaders, U.S. and China, have both shown in 2020 that they're not really up to that job. Um, Remember also India begins on January 1st. It's a two-year tenure at the UN Security Council. Uh, and India will be expected to step up to the plate and, and uh, speak about its leadership. So that's one big part of the foreign policy uh, I expect to be covering this year. Uh, the continuing uh, uh, standoff at the line of actual control. Uh, you know, uh, the external affairs minister in that interview to the Hindu suggested that we should not be impatient for a resolution the defense minister has recently said uh, that we are continuing to talk and we hope right. for a resolution. But if we don't see one, you are going to see the India-China equation deteriorate further. And that is going to have an impact on all our other relations. Uh, it'll bring us closer to certain partners who are in any case very concerned about China's rise. Uh, it might cause a strain amongst other partners where we expect support and uh, uh, don't get it, you know. Um, and, and we need to watch for that uh, because, uh, for example, you've seen the situation in Nepal play out where China has uh, disregarded its previous um, yeah. hesitations on, on uh, getting involved internally in, in, in Nepal's internal politics. That's a, that is in the long run. While right now India is riding it out quietly, it is in the long run that kind of intervention by China in the neighborhood is going to become a direct challenge to India because Sooner or later, there will be a question of choosing. Um, so I think that's the second big story we are going to cover. And I think the third, and you said that we uh, hopefully we will be able to discuss the new administration and India's relationship. Uh, I think that is going to be the big story because Mr. Biden has come to power pr promising an entire U-turn on everything we have seen in the last four years. I don't know how much of it he'll be able to do, but if he does plan to re-engage with the world, come back to the climate change agreement, come back to the Iran uh, negotiations, uh, you know, this is going to open up a whole new range of foreign policy options for India. Uh, and, uh, and that will be the third big story I think we are going to watch. Thanks so much, Suhasini. Uh, since we have five minutes left, I'll end the podcast on that. All right. Thanks again. Happy New Year, guys. Thanks, Take care. Take care. In Focus, we'll be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.